0: Again, welcome. Uh, I forgot to hit my record quickly, so um, anyways, uh, it's good to have everyone with us this morning. I'm excited about today just because of what we're looking at, and I'm excited about the next few weeks because we get to practice letting someone else preach, and I get to go see my grandson. So, yeah. Do you want to come with us? Yeah, okay, let's go anyways, we're excited about that. So uh, just uh, remember to stay faithful and to stay praying for one another, especially through this time. Uh, we know because of COVID, we've been praying for each other's health, but um, keep praying for Gaston. Uh, he can really use your, your prayer. This time of year is tough on his lungs. So uh, just really tough there. So keep him in prayer. As we get started, also, we've got two people that I know that are traveling. Uh, Courtney is in Spain and Enders is traveling. I'm not sure quite where he's at, but keep him in prayer and uh, just be praying for one another. Um, Let's go ahead and grab our Bibles and we will turn to Matthew chapter 16 verses 13 through 20. Just as a little heads up as we get started. Um, This, there is a whole denomination that has based their their denomination on this verse. See if you can pick out which denomination it is and did they interpret the scriptures correctly to be able to base their denomination on these verses that we're going to read. So we'll go ahead and read it and then we'll pray. It starts off in verse 13, says this. When Jesus came under the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, "'Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am?' "'And they said, uh, and they said, some say thou art John the Baptist, "'some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets.' "'He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am?' "'And Simon Peter answered and said, "'Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God,' And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonas, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of of the kingdom of heaven and whosoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whosoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ so let's go to the Lord in prayer dear father God thank you so much uh, for your word that you've given to us Lord, I pray that you would help us today, that we would rightly divide your, your word, that we would uh, understand it. Please give us wisdom. Uh, help us to be humble uh, like Peter was uh, and, and just uh, accepting the truth that you revealed to us. Uh, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts, be with those that are traveling, those that can't be with us today, those that might be sick. I pray that you'd raise them up. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a light for you here in Mannheim and and around the world. Have your will and way in all that we say and do today. We want you to be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What? What verse was that? Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Sorry, I should have said that again. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Um, And as we started reading through that, uh, now, oftentimes I like to go back and remember where we got or how we got to this place and and where we're at. Um, If you remember, Jesus has just um, had some dealings with the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They have come against him. They have accused him of not being who he says he is, and he has left them. He has departed them. And in this passage, it's the first passage in in the word of God, the first passage in the New Testament where it talks about the church. He says, I will build my church. Um, But as we start looking at this, uh, what is God doing here? Um, The questions that Jesus is asking, it's a very interesting question. Uh, He says, Who do men say that I am? Uh, Who did people say that he was? And and the way he asks this question, it's an interesting statement too. He says, who, um, let let me read it real quick so that we make sure that we say it right. Uh, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, what was he doing there? Um, When he says, I, the Son of Man, am, on the one hand, it sounds like he's being very humble, like he's lowering himself. And you could say that he is. He is pointing out his humanity. Uh, but in that statement, in that uh, the way that he is wording it, uh, he is referring back to uh, Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 um, it's interesting because you'll see Peter, when he responds, he uses also something from Daniel chapter 9 uh, in his response. And that's something that I don't think a whole lot of people pick up on. A a few of the commentaries did. Uh, But in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, it says this, I saw in a night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man come in the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and and a kingdom, and all people, nations, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So what did Jesus do when he's asking this question? Who do men say that I, the son of man, am. He's making a statement of who he is right then and there of who he is. Now, there's a, a religion that will ask this question, and if you talk to them very much, they will make this statement. Uh, you point to me somewhere in the Bible where Jesus says, I am God, worship me. Can you do that? And, and they ask, they say, in those words, When Jesus says, I am God, worship me, point to that and we'll worship him. And you can't find it uh, in, in the Bible. You can't find where Jesus says, I'm God, worship me. But you do find this phrase right here. Who do men say that I, the son of man am? Well, he's referring back to Daniel. And what is he saying when he's referring back to Daniel? I have been given dominion and power and honor and all people will worship me. That's what he's saying. So anytime that you deal with somebody that says, point to somewhere in the Bible where Jesus says, I am God, worship me. You can point them back to this verse right here. And and I've watched how this kind of blows their mind because they're not ready for a response on that because they've been taught that we don't have a response to this question that they have. We do have a response. They just need to hear it. And we need to speak it boldly to them. No, no. Uh, well, Jehovah's Witnesses as well, but Muslims, Muslim. Muslims are that way. They want to hear, uh, they want to see something in the, in the word of God that says, I am God, worship me. Most people will take this and say, and, and I read several commentaries that say, well, this was Jesus showing his humanity and his humility and that he was humbling himself. That's not really what it was showing. He's referring back to Daniel. And when you see Peter's response Peter is referring back to Daniel as well, Daniel chapter 9. So in his question, he gives the answer to the question of who he is, but he wants to know who do people think that he is. And even in our day and age, we have so many people that say, well, Jesus is a good person, but he's not God. Anytime you hear that from somebody, you know they're, they're taking away from the word of God. They're taking away from who he is and who he's supposed to be. And and you see it all the way through Scripture that the one that is to come is going to be God in the flesh. And we don't have enough time to go through all the Scriptures because there are many of them. You can go to uh, Psalm chapter 2 that starts off. um, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take, take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed, saying... Um, let us break their bands and sunder. And, and it keeps on going down. And then the, the last verse, it says, kiss the son while there's hope. That he not, be not angry with you and destroy you in his wrath. And who's the son that he's talking about there? Because it's in capital letters. And uh, most people don't pick up on that, but who is it talking about there? Uh, you could go to um, Psalm chapter 22, where it talks... 22, 23, and 24, talking about Christ. Uh, you can go to uh, Psalm chapter 118. You can go to Jeremiah chapter 23. Uh, you can go to Isaiah fifty. What is it, 53, 51, uh, 61. I mean, look at all the different verses you can go to to point that the Christ, the Messiah, is supposed to be God he's got to be divine he's got to be God in the flesh but he is concerned he's asking the question who do men say that I am because people were saying all kinds of things in that day and age there was confusion and isn't that the way that Satan likes to work he likes to bring confusion into something uh, and, and make it where it's not as clear as what you thought it was uh I don't know how often I've heard people say, well, this subject's just not black and white. There are some subjects that are not black and white. You know, there are some subjects that are not black and white. Like who's stronger, me or Cameron right now? Well, I think I am, but he's been training for the last month and a half. So, you know, he could probably outrun me now. You know, who's better, Cameron or... We'll just say Cameron is. It's black and white there. Um, But when it comes to things like this, it is very black and white. When it comes to things like um, doctrine, it it is black and white. So Christ is wanting to know, uh, what, what are people saying out here? Was it because he didn't know what they were saying? Or was it because he was trying to point the disciples to, look at what everybody is saying about me. They're picking everything they can to avoid dealing with me. They were saying John the Baptist. Was John the Baptist a good person? Absolutely. Jesus said, there's not a person born of woman that's better than him. But was he the Messiah? No, he was just the forerunner. Uh, was Elias or Elijah a good person? I mean, here's a guy that he he took his rod and split the the Jordan River and they walked through. He was carried up in a A cloud of fire. He called down fire uh, on the altar. And I mean, think of all the things that he did. He's the first man that's ever been recorded to run more than a marathon, and he ran it faster than horses did. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, really, it's just this was a man's man. Was he a good person? Absolutely. But was he Christ? No. Um, Think about all the other prophets. You've got Samuel, you've got uh, Elisha. You've got uh, Isaiah. Uh, you've got all of these other prophets. And all of the prophets are good people, but they're not Christ. They're, they're less than. And that's what Satan is always trying to do, is make Christ less than who he is. And we need to be careful and hold Christ to who he is. And we've already read in Daniel chapter uh, 7 who he is. He is the ancient, or he is the, the one that receives power from the ancient of days. Who is that? It's, it's talking about two different people, but they both receive honor and glory as God. It, it's hard to comprehend. I struggle with it. I'm not saying that I understand everything, but this is what the Bible says. And you, you see the, the uh, what's the right wording here? The idea of the Trinity Even back into this. So um, his question shows his humility. His question shows that he's concerned with what the disciples are hearing. Uh, And he makes, in his question, um, he makes it personal though for them. When he stops and he says, but whom do men say that, but whom do ye say that I am? Uh, He addresses them personally. Each individually, you might say, um, w- when this question is asked, it reminds me that each and every one of us have a, a, an individual role to play in answering that. Um, I can't answer this for my son. He can't answer it for me. We each have to answer that ourselves. And, and this is something that I find so interesting, uh, even in our day and age, Uh, you'll talk to certain people, and they'll say, well, this commentary says this, or this rabbi said that, and so therefore, this is what I believe. And they won't do the research and study for themselves. Jesus expected these common, everyday, workaday people, I mean, what were they doing? You had fishermen, tax collectors, um, you had a zealot in there, which was a what would you call a zealot? Um, almost a terrorist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he he's a, a a religious fanatic, but he's also kind of against the government. You might say. You know, he just. But each and every one of them, he's addressing them personally and saying, "You have to answer this question for yourself." And so Peter stands up, and, and one of the commentaries that I read said. He answered without delay. Well, I don't see that. And then you had I had another commentary that said, everybody delayed so much, Peter felt compelled to answer. I don't know that that's true either. Peter was the one that just spoke up with the answer. Peter always spoke up. Uh, it seems like Peter just had a big mouth, and he would speak up when nobody else would. And what happens when somebody speaks up sometimes? They get themselves into trouble. And we see that with Peter in other places. But this time... He answers correctly. Um, Peter responds, and what was his response? Um, It says, uh, down in verse 16, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, what is Christ, and and why is that important? Um, When he responds, Thou art the Christ, uh, that was the uh, Greek term for being anointed, Well, what does it mean to be anointed? And where do we go back into the Old Testament and find uh, about anointing? Uh, You can see that um, who was the first person to be anointed in the Old Testament? If I'm not mistaken, it was Aaron. Uh, Aaron was the first one to be anointed. Uh, Another one to be anointed was David. Uh, You had Solomon was anointed. uh, Samuel was anointed to be anointed prophet and priest. Each one of the, the priests were anointed. Uh, so being anointed was an important thing and it indicated that the Holy Spirit had come upon a person or that they had the power of the Holy Spirit or the power of God upon them to do a particular job. Um, it's interesting. I've been studying uh, over the last few months uh, I've got a book that I've been reading on this, but studying just a little bit about monarchy and the, uh, the idea that they come, where do they get their authority from? And, and well, it came from God and God has anointed us for this. And what's interesting when you study the English Revolution of, what was it, 16? Yeah, I forget the exact date. Uh, but where they put the king to death why did they do that? Because he had violated, he had a responsibility from God to do something and he violated that responsibility and they put him to death for it. And I think, wow, that's, that's an amazing thing. I mean, to, to ju- be able to justify that under English law and we have English law as the basis for American law and it's kind of the basis for the German law right now, uh, the English law system. So um, when, we, when we look back at, at all this, they looked at this as the anointing of God. You're anointed for a task. Well, what is Peter saying? Christ, you're anointed. You're the anointed one. Uh, most people, when they hear Jesus Christ, they think Jesus is the first name and Christ is the last name. Uh, they don't even understand that. But. It's understandable because if they've never been taught it, Jesus Christ, well, I have a name Walter Clark, so my first name is Walter, my last name is Clark, Jesus Christ. Joseph's last name must be Christ, so, you know, yeah, which it wasn't, uh, but it, it's just saying that's his title. He's the anointed one, um, and some people would say, well, maybe Peter was just hearing this from other people. Because if you remember back in John chapter 1, verse 41, when Andrew comes, uh, it says, He first findeth his his own brother Simon and saith unto him, Uh, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. So that's the first time that Peter ever heard anything about Jesus being the Christ, was when Andrew came to him and said, We found him. We've got the Christ. Um, But. Then a little bit later on, when they're at the, uh, in Samaria, there's this Samaritan lady, and, and she's going around telling everybody, back over here at the well is the Christ, the anointed one. So he's hearing this from other people, so, but has he seen it on his own? I think Peter put two and two together, And through the leading of the Holy Spirit, it led him to Daniel chapter 9, verse 25 and 26. It says this. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The streets shall be built again and the walls even in uh, troublous times. And after threescore and... Uh, and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince shall, uh, that shall come shall destroy the city and, and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood until the end of, uh, the, end of the war uh, desolations are determined. Um, what is it talking about there? Uh, I, I know it 's a little bit difficult and a little bit tough to understand, but um, it says it talks about what sixty two weeks three score and uh, three score and two weeks um, what was a week back then i mean robert what 's a week seven days. seven days was that what Daniel was talking about so we 've got uh, about a year and year and a half or a year and three months here? Is that what he's talking about? I don't think so because they had been taken out of Israel and they were supposed to spend 70 years out because they had missed all their weeks of celebration. Each seven years was considered a week for them and that's how the Old Testament worked. The seven-year period... Uh, and you work for six years and then, I mean, get this. I, 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 I'm so looking forward to the millennium because I think we're going to go back to this. You work for six years and then you have a year vacation. Why would we want that? Why wouldn't we want to be able to take a whole year and then you can write a book or you can learn to do another hobby, or you can, whatever you want to do, you've got a whole year to do it, and then you work for another six years, and then you have a seven-year break. And then at the end of, what is it, 49 years, you've got two years here that, you know, you've got the 49th year, and then the 50th year you also take as a break, and that's a year of jubilee where everything gets reset. And I don't know if anybody has noticed this, but the economy, it just seems to get worse and worse and they keep kicking it down the road and sometimes all the debts have to be repaid. Well, God's economy had worked this all out back in Leviticus where every 50 years it was a reset and everybody got their land back. Can you imagine if the welfare system in our states was not, here's a check for you, here's your kindergeld. It was just, you're married? You get this plot of land. You can have, that's your land. Use it. Work it. And, and, and you're like, oh, but how does that all work? It means that if you don't work, you don't eat. Period. And, and that's just the way that things were back then. It was great. And, and you could go out and work, and you could grow whatever you wanted. And the taxes back then, you know, it... it, it Quite high taxes. You had to pay a tithe. What's a tithe? Robert, do you know what a tithe is? It's 10%. You ask your mom and dad if they're paying 10% in soul or in taxes, or do they pay
1: a little bit more?
0: Yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, it's upwards of what? 25, 30%, 40%? Yeah, yeah. And God's economy had everything right. And so here in Daniel, it's referring back to after all this is is done, after these 70 weeks, or after these, what is it, three score and two weeks, and it was talking about 70 weeks because it stops at 69 weeks and that he'll be cut off at 69 weeks. What happened to Christ? And now we're looking forward to the 70th week starting back up and that things judgment coming and that's what they talk about with the tribulation we won't get into that tonight at all but this is where we get that whole idea of the troubled uh, troubled times uh, the time of Jacob's trouble is in Daniel chapter 9 verses 25 and 26 uh, you see that and so that's what Peter is referring back to but do you also see how he is addressing Christ When he says this in verse 16, he says, um, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. How did Christ address himself? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He kind of lowered himself, and Peter raises him up. Did he not? Isn't that a good thing for Peter to do? I think it was a good thing. Um, But Peter was pointing back to the Old Testament. You're the anointed one. You're the Messiah. And and you can go back as far as, I think the first place that I found this idea of the anointed one was back in Psalm chapter two, verse two, uh, where it talks about um, against the Lord and against his anointed, saying the, the kings of the earth, they set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed. And what have people done today? They've set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed. So Peter, in his humble, uh rebuttal he he gives this great definition you're God's son, and what is he he basically saying you're anointed of God, you're the one that is to come, and you are in the image of God um, you are when we look at you we're looking at god uh, and, and that's basically what Peter is saying there. so how does Christ respond to what peter said he said down here, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Uh, and, and when he says that, you have answered correctly. God helped you see that. How did God help Peter see that and the scribes and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they didn't see it. What, why was that? Well, maybe it was because Peter knew himself a little bit and was humble and was trying to be taught. Uh, maybe it was because he just followed him around and watched and was just, God, I want to know. And I'm not, I mean, if Jesus came and said to us, follow me, what would our response be? Uh, if he said, I want you to come and follow me, just come and follow me. Uh, we've got a child over here that said, yeah, I do it. Do. But we as adults, what would we do? I mean, oh yeah, I would follow him right away. But I know myself. Well, I've got responsibilities. I've got a family I've got to care for. There's a meal that's got to be prepared. There's work that's got to be done. I don't have time to spend that much time following you. Look at Nicodemus. I mean, Nicodemus came to him at night and and they're talking. And it almost appears to me that Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, hey, why don't you follow me? And Nicodemus is did it in the shadows. Do you think Nicodemus regretted not dropping everything and following Jesus? I think he did uh, in the end of his life. I think he wishes he would have taken, and even now, I mean, even if he got to heaven, saved and everything, he's redeemed. Do you think he doesn't regret not taking the time and spending it with Jesus when he could have on earth? I mean, wow, what would it have been like? A little child says, yes, I'll follow you. But an adult, uh, we're kind of skeptical. We've got other things that take the place of God. And and I think that's what was going on here. What else does Jesus say, though? He goes on down in verse um, 18. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter. And upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, this is one of those Verses that a whole denomination has built their religion off of, and established it and said, This is the the founder of our our religion is Peter yeah, he was the first pope, and we will follow him because he has the authority and we 'll look at that in just a little bit but um Let's look at the wording there just a little bit. Uh, It's interesting in Mark and in Luke, this is not recorded. It's just here in Matthew. So I think Matthew was trying to tell us something, but maybe not what was taken to build the Catholic church. He says, and I say unto thee, thou art Peter. What is Peter? Well, um, in the Greek, we think of Peter as a name, but Peter is a little pebble. Uh, A little stone. And he said... You're you're like a... How how would we say it in German? A small stone. What would you say? What? Ein kleiner Stein. Or if you wanted to... Ein Steinlein. Could you even say it like... I don't know that that works, but you're... Steinchen. 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 Yeah, Yeah. yeah, there we go. Steinchen. Okay, it's a, a an itty-bitty little stone. And upon this will I... But then he goes on a little... And upon this rock will I build my church. That word for rock is Petra. It's a big stone. It's a living stone. It's a bold... It's a like a cornerstone. What did Jesus just tell uh, the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees? He said the stone that the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. Who is that? That's not Peter. That's Christ. Something else to think about though too. Who was it that started preaching on the day of Pentecost where people turned? It was Peter. He preached the sermon and God built the church. So God did use that little pebble to start building the church. But it's like one of the German songs that we we learned there in Dresden that I I just love, Stein auf Stein, Gott about uh, about sein Haus, Stein auf Stein. He's building the house and he's using each one of us as a little stone. Uh, And if you think about it, you know, if we are his stones, his diamonds or his, you know, Sapphires, what's it gonna look like if you if you took and shine a light through the house to the outside and you've got sapphires and diamonds in the house and the light shining through, what's it gonna look like on the outside? You know? Have you ever been in, in, in a cathedral um, and, and it's a nice sunny day outside and you go in and the sun is shining through the stained glass windows and you just look it's amazing. We were in Umm, and, and that happened, and I was just amazed by the light. And, and not just seeing the light on the floor, looking through the light uh, as it's coming through. It, it was just amazing. And, and I wonder, do, are we supposed to look like that for God? That's just an aside thing. He goes on, and he says this. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of the... Key. The keys of the kingdom, and whosoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whosoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What's that talking about there? Uh, what is he trying to get at when he says you can? Is he saying, Peter, you can go up to people and, and you can unlock them for heaven, or you can bind them for heaven? Is that kind of what he's saying there? What are the keys of the kingdom? And that's been the whole question. Who has the keys of the kingdom and what are they? Well, are the keys of the kingdom church membership? I don't think so. But there are some that believe that that's what it's talking about there. Is church membership. And if you're a member of the church, then you're allowed into heaven. And if you're not a member of the church, then you're not allowed into heaven. And that's why baby baptism was so important was to get the kid baptized so that if it passed away before it became an adult, it went into heaven. That's not what it's talking about here. That's not what it's trying to get at here. The keys of the kingdom are the gospel. And Peter had the privilege, not just Peter, but all the disciples had the privilege of preaching the gospel around the world. And in Paul's time, they, they make the statement, these men have turned the world upside down For Christ. And that wasn't a good term for them. That was an accusation against, in a court of law, they've turned the world upside down for Christ. Do you see that they spread the kingdom everywhere? And what is the key, you might say? It's the gospel, that Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. The key to the kingdom is that we have the... The uh, How do you say this in a right way? God has given us access to have a relationship with him. It's not that we do anything to earn the relationship. He has just opened up a way where we can have a relationship with him. And Now it's been opened up. And where they went and preached this gospel, they opened up the, the doors of the kingdom. If they didn't preach the gospel, was the kingdom opened up to these people? No, it wasn't. And so they had the, not just the right, but they had the responsibility to share the gospel with everyone they could. What does the Bible tell us in Matthew chapter uh, 28, verses 19 and 20? Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what they were supposed to be t- doing, preaching the gospel, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo I'm with you always. So was Peter... Made the head of the church there? I don't think so. Was the church the key as far as church membership to get into heaven? I don't think so. But we have different churches that say, you've got to be a member of our church or you don't get into heaven. You don't find that anywhere else in the word of God, but they base that off of this scripture. So what can we take away from this? What are some takeaways? What... It, it, and I'm sure there's more because the more I studied this, the more I was just blown away. I kept going off onto rabbit trails. This, pull out your Thompson Chain Reference Bible and just see where it leads you when you start going down anointed one or Messiah or you know, it's just it's so much fun. But what can we what can we take away from it? Uh, we need we need to be careful with how we come to the Word of God. That's the first takeaway that I get from this. Uh, When when you see Peter interacting with Christ, the Pharisees and the scribes had just had an interaction similar to this with Christ. And Christ turned his back on him. What did did Peter learn? Well, we uh, we need to realize that we're the ones that are learning. We're not the ones judging Christ. We're the ones learning from him. And, and we need to, to learn that we have to have the word of God revealed to us. He opens up his word to us. We might make mistakes with it. Um, one of the things that I, I wrote down here is just, even though we've been taught something all our lives, it's not wrong to question it. And to, uh, that's what Peter was having to do right there. He was having to question everything that he had been taught uh, along the way. Messiah is going to come and he's going to set our nation free. They were all thinking the nation's going to be set free from the Romans. Was that what God was talking about? Not at all. So we need to be ready to question, what have we been taught? Is this line up with the word of God? We've got to be careful with that because oftentimes we're not ready to answer that question until we're a little bit older and we have studied it out a little bit more. But I think Jesus was trying to get Peter to think on his own and to not just think on his own, but that he could let the Holy Spirit work in his life on his own and not be interfered with by the Pharisees. We need to do the same thing. When we come with a uh, with a preconceived idea, uh, we will always have problems. Jesus said in... in John chapter 16, verse 13, he says, "Howbeit, when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you to all truth for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak and will show, uh, show you things to come. I've said this to so many people along the way uh, in our ministry that now that you're saved, You might want to just forget what you've learned before. Forget what I've taught you before. Get into the Word of God and start reading it for yourself. And and try to base it off of that. I've watched too many people come to Christ as older people. And then they just hang on to everything that they had back here. And they don't change at all. And if we're not willing to change, what good is salvation. Salvation means that... We were wrong, we were sinners, we still are, but we were this way, and now we're something new. It's not wrong to change. We just have to base it on the word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Most of us struggle to be led of the Holy Spirit. That's a very difficult thing. But that was one of the first takeaways that I I get from this is be willing to be taught by the word of God, by the spirit of God, be willing to be taught. The next thing, we must build, uh, we must make sure we are building on the right rock. Not Peter, but Christ. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24 and 25, it says this. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house on a rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Um, I don't know if you ever remember hearing this song. Evan, you probably do. The wise man built his house upon a rock. The wise man built his house upon a rock. Yeah. And, And we would sing it all the time and it was so much fun to sing. Rains came down and the house on the rock stayed firm. But the house on the sand went splat and we would all fall down and you know, melt away. It was so much fun. But are we building our house? Are we building our lives on the teaching of the of Christ, are we building it on worldly philosophy? Are we building it on things that the world is teaching us? I mean, the philosophy of our world right now. Uh, Evan, you and I were talking about this earlier. They want us to accept lies, and, and when you accept a lie, it's like you're You're scooping out, if you will, a part of you that you can never get back when you accept a lie. We've got to make sure we build our our lives on truth. I saw something earlier this week on this that um, truth, um, it it always gives you something that you can build on. But a lie, it always takes away something that you can uh, and makes it... Uh, unstable. Uh, it, it makes it where you don't have a future there. Uh, and you're having to defend that into the future where I'll, the truth, it's solid and you can build from there. So uh, I see that Christ was telling Peter, we need to build on this rock. What rock are we building on? The last thing, uh, the last key here is what are the keys of the kingdom? Keys of the kingdom are the gospel. We've talked about this just a little bit. What are we doing with it, though? If we have the keys to the kingdom, are we opening the door for other people to get in? I mean, when, when you go to the car and, and you want to get in the car and drive home, Robert, um, you get to the door, who has the key? Do you have the key? No. Someone else has the key. And, and what does he have to do with that key before you can get in? He has to unlock it. Yeah, press the little button. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't, you know, when when we were kids, you had to take and press, put the key in and turn the lock and and then you could unlock the door. Uh, I had a truck one time that you could take a a knife and you could put it in and you could turn the lock with a knife. Uh, You didn't even have to have a key. But, yeah, it was a very secure truck. You know, who's going to steal a 57 Ford hay truck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you wanted to start it, you had to reach down and hot wire it, you know, put the two wires together and get it to start. It was a lot of fun. You learned a lot about trucks, but having a key, uh, everybody, when I was a kid, we wanted keys to our own cars because it was freedom. What about that for our world? I mean, if you've got a friend and he's on his way to hell, shouldn't, I mean, we've got neighbors and I feel so burdened for my neighbors that how do I share the gospel with them a little bit better? I mean, one's right next to us. He's like, I don't want to hear it. Just don't talk to me about it. And I'm like, Mike, you, okay, got God, just pray for him and please show me where I can share the gospel with him. And you know, Peter that lives in front of us. He's an atheist, and he makes fun of me for going to church. And then he'll occasionally say, one of these days I'm going to show up. I'm like, don't wait too long because you're old. (laughs) And and he's like, yeah, I I get that. But we've got keys, and we need to be opening up the door for these people and just showing them, look at who Christ is. Look at the... The wonderful things that he's done for us. And yet they've heard so much through the media, through school. You don't want to go down this road because they're fanatics. Yes, we are fanatics. Because, But have you ever seen, have you seen anybody this last week or so that's been fanatics about something else? You know, soccer or football. I mean, there's some people that they just follow the grounds. Who follows the Browns? I mean, a lot, of people. A, a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people are fanatics. You know, but we're fanatics about, we're going to be fanatics about something. We might as well be a fanatic about Christ. That look at how good he is and look what he's done. He is the anointed of the Father. When we look at him, we see the Father and he has the keys to the kingdom. We ought to be following him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we ought to be sharing that with everyone we can. What a better time to do it than Christmas time. We have such an open door right now in front of us. What are we going to do with it? Let's find any way that we can. And maybe it's going to be a mistake. I mean, I'm still doing my podcast and I don't know that anybody is listening. Probably not. But people have the opportunity And we need to make it where you know, we're going to make mistakes, but we still need to do something for him. If we don't do something, they don't even have the opportunity, then be willing to talk to somebody this week and and just bring it up. And and, hey, what do you think? And maybe ask them questions just like Jesus did. Jesus was asking questions. What do you think about this? Because, you know, my preacher, he's a crazy guy. What do you think about this? Um, You know, Maybe he's wrong. What do you think of... You know, who knows? You know, your kid's in, in, in your class there, Robert. Uh, let me just ask you this. If they don't get saved, where will they spend eternity, Robert? Right. And, and is that something that we want to even think about? No, but we have a, an opportunity where we can share the, the keys of the kingdom if we're willing to. And we might not know all the answers, but if we're pointing towards Christ, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what Peter did. You're the Christ. You're the anointed one, the son of the living God. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Dear Father God, thank you so much for your word that you've given to us. Thank you for all the wonderful truths that we see in this little passage of scripture here. Uh, Lord, I pray you would help us to uh, live each day uh, with the urgency of Uh, that you've given to us that the urgency of uh, we all have to stand before you one of these days Uh, one of these days time will be no more you'll say it's enough Uh, one of these days you'll start the clock again uh, for Israel Uh, Lord I pray that you'll help us to be faithful to share the truth the keys of the kingdom uh, the gospel that you've given to us this good news that we can be made right with you. We don't have to be enemies with you. We can have peace here. Uh, Lord, I pray that you just help us to understand that. Uh, help us to be faithful with, with sharing your word to those around us. Have your will and way in all that we say and do today. Help us to honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay.